Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Then two claps. Oh. So it's private eyes. They're watching you. There you go. Watching you, watching you, watching you, watching you. Watching you. Yeah, you got to get the claps going the right way. It's all about the claps? Yeah. All right. It's all about the clap. <laughs> Jimmy Dugan. <laughs> Jimmy Dugan said avoid the clap. Wait, who's Jimmy Dugan? From A League of Their Own. Oh, right, it's right, Tom right, Hanks. right, right, Tom Hanks. I was like, oh, that sounds so familiar. He signed a kid's baseball. He's like, avoid the clap, <laughs> Jimmy Dugan. <laughs> nah. You're going to get the clap. Nah. Welcome to Rock Candy. Yeah. Your weekly podcast bringing you sweet treats from the world of music and lovely songs. And beyond. And beyond the grave. <laughs> and from a league of their own, apparently. Yeah. I mean, some of them are probably dead, so that is beyond the grave. Sure. Yeah. It works. We're going to go with that. Oh, we got real morbid real quick <laughs> with that. Good job. Yeah. It's real <laughs> hodgepodge of a night, kids. Yeah. Shit's weird. It's fine. Oh, but it's going to be a good episode. It's a long time coming. Ooh, it, this has been a long time coming. Yeah. For sure. Uh-huh. I mean, I feel like before we even started making these episodes, we're like, well, we gotta have to do a Hall & Oates episode. <laughs> That's gonna <laughs> have to happen. And uh, two years later, three years later, we're like, yep, okay, we'll finally get Hall & Oates. Oh, yeah, wow. Like two, Definitely over two years. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like two and a half years. That's all right. We wanted to do them justice, and we needed to get the perfect beer. So. And we did. Yeah. Because tonight, for the episode... We are drinking from Jack's Abbey, Private Rye. I love a good pun. Right? I don't know if they meant to... Do you think they meant to? I, I'm assuming they did not. No, they probably didn't mean... Intend to Hall make notes. a they probably Hall meant, like, reference. Just private Eye, like, yes. I'm a private eye, I'm a yes. detective. Yes. I kind of forgot that that's what that, <laughs> what that is. Yeah. It's not a Hall & Oates song. But they are watching you, so... Actually, private eyes is probably just someone stalking you, right? Basically. 
That's what a private eye is. They're sent to stalk you and find shit out about you. Yeah. So. Yeah, I guess. But would that be different than like a regular stalker? I mean, private eyes are being paid to stalk you. Yeah, so. there you go. You get paid. You get that money. You get to paid stalk. to follow people around. It's not just doing it because you're crazy. Yeah. <laughs> There's a big difference here. <laughs> yeah, actually, this is a pretty damn good beer. What yeah, I really Kella, like it. Keller beer. Keller beer. Keller beer. Yeah. Mm. It's a perfect spring beer. Yeah, it's like it's, it's like, like high end Budweiser. I mean, but I like, think it's better than that. And that's not, that's what I'm saying. It's like way better than Budweiser. It's the shit you wish Budweiser was, and it's not. Yeah, it's unfiltered Keller beer brewed with rye malt. Yeah. It's, it's like good. got the warmth for like, you know, those colder spring nights where you're like, I'm going to have a fire, but it's still really kind of cold. So I need to sit here with a blanket. Yeah. But, but I'm still going to sip this ice cold beer. Yeah, like the beer is a mixture of that blanket to keep you warm but also like the breeze of a spring evening it's that crisp blanket not not as not a um jizz blanket oh god <laughs> that's a crisp that's a very crisp Ugh. blanket it's it's like the crisp blanket that's been drying in the summer in the springtime air that's the kind of crisp oh blanket i can think I'm of this no yeah now no, you're just like talking about <laughs> that jizz towel that's just next to every yeah. Young bachelor's yeah. Uh, bed. Yeah. yeah. The, the quintessential jizz towel. <laughs> <laughs> Making every bachelor pad complete. What would a bachelor pad be without their without, crisp towels? Without the jizz towel, TM. <laughs> we should market that. <laughs> It's already gross, so you don't feel bad about making it gross. Yeah, it's not a high quality towel. That's why it's cheap. Yeah. It's the jizz towel. Yep. This is that good, good content you kids are co raving. Don't right now. steal it from us. <laughs> Please don't. I know that there's a lot of time on your hands. But, but you don't. Know, but but don't. don't take it. Yeah. No. I I understand we there's a lot of bros out there that have some jizz towels going on right now. There's nothing else to do. There but really don't isn't steal our fucking idea don't well no i'll come to your house and i will well we won't though not (laughs) oh wait we can wear gloves and masks and still keep six feet away from you but we will come to your house shout abuse i'll come to your house social distance myself get in there with a hazmat suit and take your jizz towel (laughs) it's mine best to believe it uh uh, oh my god (laughs) anyway so tonight we're talking about hall and oats yeah (laughs) great segue it's been a great i'm really good at segues you know yeah that. we all are it's yeah it's wonderful it's uh it's what you guys come here for to hear our great segues and yes this has definitely been an episode in the making for a very long time but we are big hall notes fans maybe hopefully gonna see him in august god if if fucking the roni cancels the Hollow Notes tour, I am going to lose it. Because we were finally going to see them. Finally. And I finally had the money to get decent fucking seats. Mm-hmm. And oh. And, it, and what sucks is that the venue that we got the tickets for is an outdoor venue. Yeah. That is only open during the summer. Yeah. So, um... Yeah. If it doesn't happen now. It doesn't happen now. We're going to have to wait until next year. If we're lucky. If if we're lucky. If we survive. I mean, we'll probably be fine. We'll be fine. But uh, 
Yeah. Yeah. We're just a bunch of typhoid Marys. We'll be fine. If Hall and Oates survive, because they're in their 70s now. Fuck, really? Yes. Yes, they are. Yo, they look good, though. They look fucking fantastic. But Honestly, still, they they're in their 70s. They have the money to take care of themselves. All right. that's. But they also, like, take care of themselves. Just because you have the money, Keith Richards, doesn't mean you take care of yourself. <laughs> True. But Keith Richards did the smart thing and drank enough alcohol when he was young to preserve his insides for eternity. I don't know if that's how that works. I, this is the only explanation for why he's still around. It's yeah. the only viable one that I can come up with. Fair. Yeah. Fair. Anyway, Why is he still around? I don't know. David Bowie isn't here, but fucking Keith Richards is. I ask myself that at least twice a month. The world is a cruel place. The, ro- the world is a very cruel place if you think about the people who are gone <laughs> compared to the people who yeah. are still around. Yeah. If you think about the people who are probably going to die from the coronavirus as opposed to the people who are going to outlast it. Yeah. Well, let's talk about two people who have so far survived yeah the coronavirus let's talk let's have a good let's have a good fun story today who do not have the roni and have magnificent hair they do both of them honestly seriously i mean one's a little bit better known for their facial hair than their head of hair yeah but still we'll get into that too oh oh my god we get to talk about his mustache (laughs) yeah yes okay let's do this let's do this so the oldest of the duo, Daryl Hall, was born on October 11th, 1946. His real name is Daryl Franklin Hall, spelled H-O-H-L. Oh. Probably changing it when he got older to prevent confusion. That's fair. I mean, I'm sure in school, their teachers are just like, how? Hall? 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 Hall. It's just Hall. I don't know why you can't fucking say it. He and his sister Kathy grew up in Pottstown, Pennsylvania, a small town about 40 miles west of Philadelphia. Not to be confused with Pottsville, Pennsylvania, which I definitely have been doing this entire time. <laughs> They're very close to each other, but very different towns. Oh. Uh, Pottsville is very close to Centralia, Pennsylvania, which is the town that inspired Silent Hill. So you can imagine what Pottsville is like. Oh, that is legit. Yeah, Potts Town is quite a lovely little town. So That makes sense. I feel like Daryl Hall would be from a lovely little town. Yeah, he likes lovely little towns. He does. Potts Town, however, <laughs> in my notes I wrote, is quite a lovely town. Yay. And by all means, Daryl had a pretty decent upbringing. Both of his parents, Frank and Betty Hall, were involved with music. Frank being a professional singer and Betty being a vocal coach and involved with different bands. Nice. Obviously, Daryl was inspired at a very young age to get involved in music. However, he said that he never viewed playing music as a pleasurable experience. Hmm. Because his parents were professionals and Daryl was singing professionally since he was two years old, (laughs) music was more like a job. Damn. So that kid grew up being like, now this is my lucrative business. Yeah. I mean, he took it seriously and he loved it and he put emotion into it. But that was part of the job was putting emotion into putting your emotions into music. Huh. You and know, making music. I could see that. And he seems like somebody who knows how to write a good song. He understands oh, he structure. He understands what's going to sound pleasant to ears. Exactly. Yes. By the time he was in high school, he was already recording with other artists as a session musician. He continued his session career while at college at Temple University in Philadelphia, 
where he began attending in 1964. Jeez. So he's already a session musician. Yeah. In he college. Was, he was throughout high school, too. Yes. But wait, Okay. Just, but his parents had connections. Like, he could do that. I guess. But that's crazy even to think, like, a high schooler is just like, all right, I'll just come play drums on, or I'll just come yeah. play guitar on your CD, Phil Collins. Yeah, whereas other kids were, like, getting jobs at convenience stores or drug ice stores or parlors. ice cream parlors or whatever. He was a session musician. Yeah. Oh, uh, did you hear that sweet guitar lick on the uh, CCR album? Yeah. I helped with that. <laughs> I'm trying to think, because he was in college in the 70s, you said? Um, or the 60s? 60s. Yeah, so I'm trying to think of, like, oh, he would have been, like, a session musician for, like... Beatles, Yardbirds. Doo-wop. And doo-wop, soul, yeah, stuff like soul. that. Which checks. Smokey Robinson, Temptations. Yeah. Things like that. All right. He worked with big names in the Philly soul scene, like Kenny Gamble and Leon Huff, who are part of the group Kenny Gamble and the Romeos. And are credited with starting the Philadelphia soul genre. Nice. I thought you were going to say Kenny Gamble and the Huffs. <laughs> it should have been that. Right? <laughs> Missed opportunity, guys. And everybody else is just like really pissed off about being the background guys. Like, Why don't Huff. I get my name in here? Huff. 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 Why don't be lead? Come on, man. Huff. <laughs> They're on their Huffy bikes. Oh, <laughs> Huffing around. <laughs> The scene was dominated by all-black singing groups like the Ambassadors and the Delphonics. In the fall of 1965, Daryl decided to form his own group consisting of all-white guys. They called themselves the Temp Tones because apparently there's only like four words you can start a soul group with <laughs> and you just have to split them all up and move them around to get like your temptation, own Temptation. Temp Tones. Tones. Del Tones. Delphonics. I'm pretty sure the Del Tones were in that thing you do, but don't come for me on that. <laughs> but anyway, by all means, they were very popular in Philly. They often beat out other popular acts in singing competitions and received high praise from fans and contemporaries alike. Hmm. At this point, you're probably calling a cultural appropriation. Cultural appropriation. Because they're all white dudes in a majority black uh, musical genre. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) But I would actually say you're wrong. Much like how Talking Heads used African beats in their music because they appreciated them and wanted the world to appreciate it too... Daryl loved soul and R&B because of his appreciation of it. He didn't want to exploit it. He wanted to immerse himself in it and learn from his peers. Right. And also, I imagine, help um, boost it out into the world. Like, by listening to him, he can help promote their sound as well. Right. So I hope everyone listened to that entire statement before getting on our dicks about us like, accusing Daryl Hall of culturally yeah. appropriating. We're saying We're not he saying did not he do it. He did not do it. Yeah. Okay? Shut so, the fuck up. Yeah. Soon enough, the Temptones were recording songs for Arctic Records and making connections to musical greats like Smokey Robinson and The Temptations. Hell yes. In 1967, when Daryl was a senior, he met a Temple University freshman named John Oates in a most unusual way. But we will get to that shortly. Oh, I want to know now. Too bad. Damn it. Fucking hold your horses. All right, they're held. Keep your pants on. Oh, no, they're off. <laughs> always off. Those have been off Guys, the whole time. They're always off. With consent. <laughs> I ask Ashley before every episode, can I take my pants off? And I say, yes, that's fine. Yay, no pants. <laughs> John William Oates was born on April 7th, 1948 in New York City. Happy birthday. 
because the day after we record this and the day before it comes out is John's birthday. Oh, tomorrow. Tomorrow. Oh, happy birthday. His mother. Ooh. Ooh, what? An Aries? I suppose. Yeah, he's an Aries. Ooh, fiery man. So Daryl would be Libra? Yeah. Mm. Libra and Libra and Aries being, being best friends, friends making the- music and having fun till the end. I don't know. <laughs> Thank you. It was lovely. <laughs> I was glad to be here for that. John's mother, Anne, was an immigrant originally from Salerno in South Italy. Ooh. His father, Al, was of English and Moroccan descent. In the early 1950s, when John was only a few years old, his family moved to North Wales, a suburb of Philadelphia. Not oh. the country. Was 100% like, oh, he went to Wales? <laughs> no, he did not. Okay. John's musical talents flourished after they moved to Pennsylvania. And only a few years old, he was playing guitar and singing every chance he could. Aww. He loved the folk and R&B scenes coming out of Philly in the 1960s, while also getting inspiration from the same groups that Daryl did, like The Temptations, Otis Redding, and Curtis Mayfield. And Smokey Robinson. And Smokey Robinson. <laughs> and the Tempfonic Tontations. Oh, the Tempfonic Tontations. They're my favorite. <laughs> They're so good. They have that one song, Ooh, Girl, Do Up, You're in My Car. With an 18 uh, part harmony. It's really great. <laughs> it's so good. Because there's 18 people. <laughs> right? In that fucking band. They all play bass. <laughs> one guy out drums. Every single one of them plays bass. <laughs> and they all play a different bass line. Yeah. How else are you going to make that work? I'm sorry. How else? How else? <laughs> this is a really good band, guys. I'm really excited. I'm sorry. I'm just picturing this in my head and it's way too fucking funny. <laughs> They're like, all playing at the Apollo yes. all at once. <laughs> yes. But like I'm also picturing like Ed Sullivan. <laughs> He's so confused. He's like, what did I allow on my stage? <laughs> and it's just like one twenty minute like rendition of my girl. <laughs> <laughs> so stupid. Okay. One of John's biggest influences was his guitar teacher, Jerry Ricks, who started teaching John at age five. Oh. This guy had a prolific c- career as a blues guitarist, having traveled the world with great musicians like Buddy Guy, Sun House, and Lightning Hopkins. Buddy Guy. Buddy Guy. Buddy Guy. <laughs> he had a signature style of playing guitar called flat picking that he passed down to John. Soon after learning guitar, John took singing lessons and then started his first band in sixth grade. What? Adorable. Oh. While attending North Penn High School, he recorded a song for Crimson Records called I Need Your Love. This was with his group, The Masters, which he continued- I'm sorry, what grade? This was when he was in high school. Yeah. So like when he's like 15, like- He's like, I need your love. I need your love. <laughs> also, I made a band called The Masters. We're all 15. <laughs> I think he might have been older than that. Okay, I'm 16. Maybe 18, because he continued to be in the Masters when he began attending Temple University in 1966 to study journalism. Oh, interesting. Yeah. A year later, in 1967, was when Daryl Hall and John Oates found themselves meeting the first time. Yay. They were at the Adelphi Ballroom in Philly, participating in a Battle of the Bands type competition. 
Daryl was with the Temptones, and John was fronting the Masters. Oh my god, they could be Master Tones. <laughs> Temp Masters? Temp Tasters? Temp Tasters. Temp Oh, we can't go down this road again. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> but like, at but least three bass players. At least. At some point during the show, two rival gangs began shooting at each other inside the venue. What? I feel like I've heard this story before. John and Daryl had the same idea. Pork chop sandwich the fuck out of there. Yeah. They both ran into the same service elevator to escape the shooting, and upon chit-chatting a bit, they realized they both attended Temple University and had the same musical influences. They continued to run into each other on campus. So they started hanging out outside of class, too. Oh, hey, you were that guy in the shooting, right? Oh, yeah, you were there, too, right? Yeah, we just yeah. went out in the elevator. Yeah, I like your hair. I, I just, like your hair, too. I just picture, like, you're sitting in the elevator. Crazy night, right? <laughs> Everybody's just kung fu fighting. <laughs> and that was before guns. the song even came out. <laughs> Eventually becoming BFFs. Daryl and John then became roommates. Aww. They bounced from apartment to apartment in Philly, working on their respective musical projects while casually collaborating on their own songs. John changed colleges when he was 19, eventually graduating in 1970. He then packed up his things and spent four months traveling around Europe. Oh, see, that's how you do it. Yeah. like That's take, what you do. Take that gap year. But he took his gap year after. No, you should totally take a gap year. Like, you finish college, yeah. like, what the fuck else are you going to do? Go yeah. fucking travel. Nobody gives a fuck what you did yeah. the summer after you graduated. But the gap year is supposed to come between high school and college. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Oh, probably in Europe, right? That That's why it's a gap year. Yeah, you're supposed to go... Shop at the Gap? <laughs> yes. Because um, they're, do- they're not doing good, guys. <laughs> so what? Fall into it. Fall into yourself, Gap. <laughs> Fall into the Gap. Daryl may have lost his casual music buddy, but he continued with his own projects. He had already the dropped... Temp tones. <laughs> Tempphonics. <laughs> Tempphonic tones. I forgot what I said already. Phonictations. <laughs> That's a good band name. Delphonictations. Like... <laughs> Let me get through this. Sorry. <laughs> he had already dropped out of college in 1968, and in 1970, he pursued a career with a soft rock band called Gulliver. <laughs> Sorry. Continue. Gulliver was moderately successful, scoring a record deal with Elektra Records and releasing oh. an album, but it fell apart for the band shortly after that. What happened? I don't know. They were called Gulliver. Yeah, Nobody it likes was, them. They were like, this is no Delphonic Tations. Yeah. I don't want this. Son of soul in this Gulliver There's outfit. only one bassist. I can't go for that, guys. No. No, no can, can do. do. <laughs> it wasn't all bad for Daryl. By 1969, he was married to his first wife, Brenna Lublin. He even converted to Judaism in order to marry her. Oh. Thank God for him. <laughs> Meanwhile, John was back from his European travels and moved in with Daryl and Brenna in their tiny house in Philly. What? Yeah, you just moved in with them. Hey, Daryl, I'm back. Oh, man, come move in with me and my wife. Great. That sounds great. She's like, great. What did I sign up for? Who is this? <laughs> they decided now was the perfect time to collaborate on a musical project together. No time like the present when yeah. you're living with your friend and his wife. <laughs> when you're living with your friend's wife. <laughs> That's my wife. 
here is where I would say this is when Hall and Oates was born. And yeah, the duo as we know it was born. However, they never actually called themselves Hall and Oates. They were always billed as Daryl Hall and John Oates, full names. Oh. It was their fans and the press that started calling them by the shortened name. But honestly, that's the better name. It is. But they wanted their full names separately, like as Daryl Hall and John Oates, because they were separate people with separate interests, separate lives. They just came together to make music. I'm sorry, how separate is your life when, when you're, you're living, living with, with your friend, friend and his wife? wife. <laughs> <laughs> but seriously. Yeah, how do you do that? Because I'd be pretty pissed off. Anyway. I can't talk, though. I definitely had a friend living with me and my ex when we were married. Yeah, but you were living in New York City. Maybe Philly's... No. Philly... No. I stopped myself. <laughs> no. First of all, it was the 70s. Second of all, it was Philly. Yeah, no. Yeah, I stopped myself. Either way, they started writing music. They found it very easy to write together, despite their dissimilar interests. On the outside, they were quite the opposites, physically and interest-wise. Hmm. They also came from two different musical schools, John from the bluesy, folksy perspective, and Daryl from the R&B and soul perspective. Okay, yeah. It may have been easy to write together, but the duo still struggled to find their own sound. They played their songs around Philly, eventually catching the ear of Tommy Mottola, then just a gopher at a publishing firm that just started his own management company. If Tommy Mottola sounds familiar, he ended up becoming one of the biggest managers of, like, ever. Of the 90s and early 2000s. Um, He was also married to Mariah Carey for a hot second. Ooh. Yeah, they also... Was it pre-glitter? Oh, very pre-glitter. This was, like, emotions, Mariah Carey. Ooh. Tommy saw something really special in these two guys and convinced them to let him manage them. Hall and Oates would become Tommy's first very successful clients. Yeah. Yep. And I cannot express enough how big of a part Tommy Mottola played in the careers of Daryl and John. He wasn't just their manager. He was a very good friend to them for decades and made a lot of very good decisions on their parts. Without Tommy, Hall and Oates probably wouldn't exist as we know it. Yeah. All right. I could see that. I mean, a fucking real solid manager is really important. It is extremely important. He's the reason they got a record deal and everything. All right. Tommy landed Hall & Oates a deal with Atlantic Records, and they got to work on their first album. Their identity crisis was apparent on their first record called Whole Oats. <laughs> I'll give you a second. <laughs> oh, Which was released. <laughs> and, and the cover of it is just literally a canister of Whole Oats. So they're already making dad jokes. They're already making dad jokes. Good for them. Yeah. (laughs) So that was released on November 12th, 1972. It failed to land on the charts or produce any hit singles. It did land them a spot opening for David Bowie, though. Oh. Wow. David Bowie in the 70s, too? Yeah. Hmm. Like Ziggy Stardust, I think. Yeah. Or like even like Thin White Duke era. But like that was like later 70s. This was early 70s. Yeah, this was I like you're right. Yeah, this was like super experimental. I'm going to look like a creature from outer space, David Bowie. Huh. Yeah. I would have liked to have seen one of those concerts. That would have been Hall great. opening for David Bowie. Yeah, early Hall and Oates and David Bowie on the same bill. Weird. Very weird. 
But man, it must have been really cool to be able to say you've gone to that. Yeah. If you've gone to that, <laughs> good for you. Good for you. One year later, on November 3rd, 1973, their second studio album was released. Called Abandoned Luncheonette, they again brought in legendary producer Arif Martin to oversee production. Sorry, that's Martin. Not Martin. Martin. They poured themselves into this album, carefully crafting each song to perfection and splitting songwriting duties pretty evenly. But once again, the album failed to impress. But doesn't that have She's Gone? Hmm, getting there. Okay. The album's Still did. on your thunder. The album did, however, contain one Hall & Oates classic. Is she- it called She's Gone? She's Gone. <laughs> <laughs> She's Gone was originally on a van and luncheonette, but didn't become a hit for the duo until years later. As the story goes, the song was inspired by John's date gone wrong. He had met this free spirit type of girl in New York in a New York restaurant at 3 a.m. And after hooking up, he invited her to his and Daryl's apartment on New Year's Eve. When she didn't show up, John wrote the chorus to the song. She's gone. Oh, I. Oh, I. I better learn how to face it. She's gone. She's gone. <laughs> okay. We do a great cover, guys. We do. Also, if that story sounds familiar... You'd probably recognize oh, yes. it. From a long oh, ass time God, ago. Oh my God, from well over two years ago, like our fourth or fifth episode. Yeah. Our breakup song episode. It was one of my picks. It was one of your picks. Um, he couldn't think of anything more to add, so he brought the song to Daryl. Daryl and Brenna had just gone through a divorce, oh. and he was feeling the same feels, Aww. and immediately drew up the opening piano riff and spouted off lonely lyrics to the first verse. This is a little... This is a little... Peanut butter and chocolate perfect marriage right yeah, here. Yeah, it's the Reese's peanut butter cups of uh, musical duos. I like it. Oh, God, now I just want a Reese's peanut butter cup. I'm good. I don't need one. Meg, maybe? The shapes are better than the cups, let's be honest. Yeah. Reese's pieces. I'll take the pieces. You All can right. take the cup. All right. I'll take the pieces. You take the cup. Fine with that. <laughs> they even made a music video for She's Gone, and it's... Truly something special. I don't think I've ever seen the music oh, video. I will show it to you. Take a second. Take a hot second. We'll wait. Go to YouTube and find the video for She's Gone. Okay. Did you, did you, did you do, do it? Was okay. that fun? Did you, did you enjoy it? that? Oh boy. Woo! Long before MTV came around, they made the video for some teenage dance show based at the Jersey Shore. The show wanted them to lip sync the song on the show, but they refused and opted to make a video in lieu of a performance. Okay. I don't know. <laughs> okay. They just, they this didn't want to... This sounding real weird. Yeah, they didn't want to lip sync, and they also didn't think that She's Gone was an appropriate song to play on a teen dance show, which I get. That makes sense. Well, I mean, I don't know. Teenagers can be sad about a breakup. Yeah, but like, it's a dance show. They want to dance. They with just want somebody. To dance with somebody who loves them. Right? And they can't do that till she's gone. That's fair. All right. <laughs> yeah. The show producers got one look at the video and flat out refused to air it. It's weird. Oh, really? <laughs> it's Daryl and John sitting in recliners in like an empty studio, lip syncing the song, but like only half lip syncing it, and they're devoid of emotion. Daryl Hall shaved off his eyebrows for some reason for the video. I don't know why. And he's wearing a bathrobe. He's wearing a bathrobe. John is wearing a tuxedo, but it's like a literal penguin suit, like with flippers. 
he puts on a jacket and he has like flippers while he's pretending to play guitar. Every once in a while, a woman will stride across screen. And then when they say, I'll pay the devil to replace her, a guy dressed as a devil walks across the screen and they fling money at him. And they like, don't lip sync half the words. It's so weird. I need to see this. You have to. It makes no sense. Okay. At all. I'm here for but it. But it's also fantastic. Also, Daryl is very clearly wearing women's platform sandals good with socks. Him. Good for not good for <laughs> not him. Not good for no, him. No, okay. No. Yeah, you lost me at socks. Yeah, socks. Yeah, no. No socks. <laughs> it wasn't the only weird thing Hall & Oates decided to do around this time. Their third album, War Babies, was just as questionable as their first video. Oh, God. <laughs> Released on October 19th, 1974, it was a massive departure from their previous albums, Opting for a more progressive rock sound than soulful R&B. Okay. Todd Rundgren produced it. <gasps> and, and other members of his prog rock band Utopia played on it. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Daryl and Todd <laughs> Rundgren were, had been friends for a very long time. Oh, like, they that's adorable. basically grew up together in Philadelphia. Okay. Yeah, it's adorable. That makes sense now. But also maybe don't have Todd Rundgren produce your album? Maybe not. So weird. Maybe not the best choice. Yeah, no. Atlantic was totally perplexed. And when War War Babies again failed to produce any charting hits, Hall & Oates decided to beat it. They finally started to see some success after joining RCA Records and releasing their fourth record, simply titled Daryl Hall and John Oates. Mm. Some people know this album as the Silver Album because of the silver color of the cover. Oh, that's right. Or you may know it as the album where Daryl and John look like women on the cover. That's also it. That's also that one. (laughs) Yeah. It was designed by famed artist Pierre LaRoche, who was also known for doing the Ziggy Stardust album cover for David Bowie. Oh. So now it makes sense. It all makes but sense. But also, why? Why not? But why not? Also, why not? Yeah. Live a little. The album cover cover was questionable to some people, but what was undeniable was how good this album was. Mm. Daryl and John really came into their own Realizing their sweet spot was soulful R&B with a solid hook and killer harmonies. Yeah. Finally, they were seeing success with a major boost coming from the album's second single, Sarah Smile. Oh, Sarah Smile. <laughs> it was inspired by Daryl's girlfriend, Sarah Allen. This wasn't the first song he wrote about Sarah. On Abandoned Luncheonette, the song Las Vegas Turnaround was also about her, Ooh. referencing her by name. And that album came out the same year Daryl divorced his first wife. So you do the math. Wonder why they got divorced. Mm. You know what you can also do the math on? (laughs) What else can we do math on? Because you know I'm bad at math. All of the delightful free gifts you can get on adamandeve.com using our code CANDYPOD. Ooh, tell me more. Tell me more, tell me more. Like... Can we get free shipping? You can get free shipping. What? Yes. Okay. I'm here for it. Tell me the deets. <laughs> so if you go to adamandeve.com, mm. you can pick almost any single thing yeah. for 50% off. What? Yeah. And then you can get some free stuff on top of that. Swag, 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 swag. swag, swag. <laughs> but honestly, you get some sweet free stuff. Some baller shit. Right? Maybe for your balls. Honestly, Yeah. <laughs> 
Yeah? Yeah, it could be. You could get some ball stuff. You can get something for your balls. You can get something for her lady stuff. Yeah. And then you can get something that everyone can share. Yeah, you get a couple little free things that you don't know what they're going to be. And that's kind of what makes it fun, right? The mystery is sexy. Honestly, maybe that's why Daryl and his wife couldn't stay together. (laughs) Was because there was no more mystery. They stopped keeping it sexy. Yeah, they didn't have the internet even. (laughs) They did not have the internet in the 70s. sweet fucking deal. You know, if Adam and Eve were around in the 70s, they might have still been married. Oh, they might have. Because they could have spiced up that bedroom. Yeah. Because you know what? Once they get all this shit. Yeah. Then they could get, what is it? Six. 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 Free movies. Films. (laughs) I like calling them films. Films. (laughs) Six free movies. Yeah. Free films. So you get free films. Yeah. You get some 50% off. Yeah. You You get get stuff for him, stuff for her, stuff for them. Yeah. Stuff for whomever. And you get free shipping. That's pretty great. And all you have to do is when you check out at adamandeve.com, just use our code CANDYPOD. C-A-N-D-Y-P-O-D. Not the band. No. Not the band. (laughs) But you will feel so alive. You will feel so alive. (laughs) Believe that. Yup. I do. (laughs) So do I. So yeah. Go to adamandeve.com. Get your free shit. Use our code CANDYPOD. And you'll be happy. Yeah. And don't you want to be happy? And your partner is going to be happy. That's more important. Honestly, yeah. Keep that partner happy. Then you don't get divorced. <laughs> take it from us. <laughs> Honestly, take it from us. <laughs> Want to go back to Hall Notes now? Yeah, we'll go back to Hall Notes now. Yay! <laughs> Sarah would become a huge part of Hall Notes' success. Yeah. Not only was she Daryl's girlfriend for nearly 30 years... She co-wrote a lot of their biggest hits. Wait, really? Yeah. What? She wasn't the only Alan with talent, though. She brought in her younger sister, Jana, also a musician and gifted songwriter, into the mix as a collaborator. Oh, shit. I did not know that. Oh, yeah. Behind every two great men are two, like, even better ladies. Yeah, that's so, a, yeah. That, that checks. That's math. Of course, Atlantic Records saw a way to capitalize on Hall & Oates' ex- Hall and Oates is success yeah <laughs> and re-released she's gone as a single the strategy mm. worked and the song went to number seven right after sarah's smile peaked at number four but Ooh. it was their next album that held their first number one hit mm-hmm. the album bigger than both of us was released in august 1976 and how right they were indeed the first single off the album barely made a peep but the second single rich curl exploded my god the lyrics were pretty straightforward. A spoiled rich girl who uses her father's money to get whatever she wants. Hmm. At the time, a lot of people thought it was about exactly that. However, Daryl confirmed later that it was actually about a spoiled rich guy. Oh. He was a real-life heir of a fast food chain that Sarah once dated. No way. Yep. That's so funny. I wonder, <laughs> did she change the gender just to make it less known that she was talking about that dude? Um, well, Daryl said that they, that he and, uh, John actually changed the gender because it made it more relatable. Yeah. I I mean, like, it was still the 80s? 70s. Still the 70s at this point. Okay. Yeah. So, I mean, it'd probably be weirder for the, I mean, culturally weirder for them to sing about, like, you're a rich guy. You know, it doesn't, it doesn't flow as well. Yeah. You're a rich Rich girl. girl. 
Yeah. You're a rich guy and you're going too far because you know it don't matter. Yeah. No, it, it sounds better as rich girl. Yeah. Yeah. I will say I used to hate that song, though. For a little oh, I bit, I love it because when I worked at the TU Center, oh, we'd have did to you listen have to, to B ninety five point five. God, and can I tell you how much B ninety five point five plays that oh song? Oh my god, Delilah loves that song. Fuck Delilah, fuck Delilah. So now we're hitting the late seventies, where disco ruled and rock was at a low point. Disco sucks. It yeah. No, actually, no, I kind of like disco. I kind of like. I kind of like disco. It's really not that bad. If we did not have disco, we would not have house music. So I love disco. There you go. After their success with Rich Girl, Daryl and John had a very hard time keeping the momentum going. No matter how much they toured, how many fans they gained, they just couldn't get radio airplay. Their next three albums were unfortunately more rock-oriented and therefore didn't fare so well. Huh. They had a couple top 20 songs, but that was it. Yeah. Wow. Daryl thought this was a good time to make a solo record? Ooh. Question mark? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> question mark? <laughs> he started to feel limited within Hall and & Oates and probably had a ton of pressure to make another hit record. Yeah. So a solo album would be a good outlet. He released Sacred Songs in 1977. He worked with Robert Fripp from legendary prog rock outlet King Crimson, who produced and played guitar on the album. Yes, your expression... Yeah, I feel it. Yeah. King Crimson? Yep. Like, what? Yeah. Like, what is his deal with prog rock, guys? It's crazy. I feel like Daryl Hall really wanted to be in Yes, but he just couldn't do it. <laughs> he just couldn't hack it. Like, he can't play bass songs. that long. <laughs> Daryl, those are long songs. That's why you had 18 bassists in your band. <laughs> He was trying real hard to mix soul and prog, and it just wasn't working. Ooh, soul, progressive soul. Yeah, prog no. soul. Prog soul just never happened. Never really gained that that traction he wanted Aww. it to gain. But like, cute that you try. Yeah, I mean, and it was actually supposed to be part of a trilogy of albums Robert Fripp produced. Oh, so Sacred Songs, Peter Gabriel's second album. And Fripp's own album called Exposure. They were supposed to be kind of like a loose trilogy. What? Yeah, it's so That's weird. Delightful. It's so weird, but it's kind of cute. Like, I'm kind of in love with this. Yeah. It's like when your kid comes home with a macaroni painting and you're like, but I'm just so proud of you. <laughs> like, I'm proud of him being a part of this. Right? Yeah. Like, I kind of want to go and, and listen to these albums back to back and just right? be like, no, I get it. Because I really want to get it. I don't know if you'll get it, though. I don't think I will, but I want to. I mean, like, first of all, we're throwing 70s Peter Gabriel in there? Oh, yeah. Peak Gabriel. Yeah. He was crazy Gabe. Soup's craze. Crazy Gabe. He had probably just left Genesis at that point, right? In 77? Right? I think it was, like, the late 70s, early 80s that he left Genesis. Actually, I think this would... I think he would have, uh... He would have made that album after this, so... Either way... You probably had, like, Pete Gabriel, where he was just real nutty. Pete Crazy Gabe. What his name is now Love it. (laughs) RCA refused to release the album, not surprisingly. Oh, that's a bullshit. Yeah, insisting there were no hits to be found on it. They weren't wrong. It's Prague. What do you want? (laughs) But, like, it wasn't really Prague. It It was weird. Prague soul. Yeah. They weren't wrong, though. Although the album sold well, when it was finally released in 1980, it failed to chart any hits. Okay. 
So now we're into a new decade and everything is shifting. Disco is out. Guess what's becoming popular? Rock. Rock oriented pop. Yay. Hollow Notes is fucking wheelhouse. I can go for that. Yeah. <laughs> it was an era of big changes and Daryl and John followed suit. For starters, they got rid of all outside producers, songwriters, and session musicians. From then on, they wrote, produced, and played all of their own music. Because who can connect to their music better than the people who wrote it? Yeah. I mean, honestly, this seems to be a very good step in the right direction. Yes. They also ditched L.A. and went back to New York, recording in a studio just a few minutes from their apartments. With Sarah and Jana signed on as co-writers, they recorded the album with renewed energy. The resulting album was Voices, released in July 1980. Nice. The second single, a cover of You've Lost That Love and Feelin' by the Righteous Brothers, almost cracked the top ten, but it put Daryl Hall and John Oates back in front of people's faces. I will say, though, probably my least favorite Hall and Oates song. It's not my favorite. I certainly. also just, I just don't like that song. Not yeah. a good... Nice. I mean, it's good, snooze but fest. like, it's kind of... Yeah, it's a snooze fest. Yes. Yeah. Uh, the third single, Kiss on My List, brought them to the number one spot once again. The song was written by Jana Allen and Daryl with the original intentions of it being solely for Jana, who was trying to launch her own music career. But when Tommy Mottola got a hold of the demo, he insisted Daryl and John record it instead. Interesting. She was okay with it. Okay. Yeah. I always think of a friend I had who, like... Really went on this. We work night shift together, so that's your first indicator. And he really went on this, like, what is this song? Your kiss is on my list. But also, it's supposed to be sarcastic. It's a sarcastic song. Wait, really? Yes. I never picked that up. Because the whole point of the song is people are, like, bugging her about why she likes this guy. And she's like, oh, his kisses. I fucking like his kisses, okay? (laughs) Because in the first verse, she's saying she's lying and saying, your kiss is on my list. I never picked that up. Yeah. I just always, like, get to, because your kiss, your your kiss kiss is on my list. Because your kiss, your kiss, I can't resist. Because your kiss is on my list of the best things in life. Why don't we have a Hall Oates cover band? I don't know. I think it's time to just ditch. Proved. I think it's time to ditch the podcast and do what we were really meant to do: a Hall Oates cover band. We can call ourselves the Tempdelphonications <laughs> or whatever yes. the fuck it was. And we need like at least ten other people to play bass in our band, <laughs> including you. Oh yeah, no, I got bass. Your lead bass. You get Jangle Frisbee. <laughs> Played completely off rhythm. Yeah. yeah. Duh. How else are you going to play it? How else are you going to cover Hall and Oates? Except with 11 bases and, and a jangle off, frisbee. Off, offbeat jangle frisbee. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> Perfect. Because that is on my list of the best things in life. It is. Kiss on my list stayed at number one for three weeks. And the follow-up single, You Make My Dreams, co-written by Sarah Allen, was another top five hit for the duo. Tell me you don't hear that song, though, and always think of Wedding Singer. I don't. Oh, really? Yeah, because I've seen, I've seen Wedding Singer several times, but, like, 
only certain scenes stick in my head, and that is not one of them. I always hear it, and like when I was playing for my wedding, I just wanted a montage to that song so bad. (laughs) It is a very good montage song. It's a great montage song. Voices also had the song Every Time You Go Away on it, but it wasn't made famous until 1985 when one-hit wonder Paul Young covered it. Yup. Yeah. I did not realize that was a Hall and Oates song. For a long time, I did not either, but I also could not remember who covered it. But I no. knew it was I knew it was a cover. But boy, this guy. Yeah. Paul Young. Oof. Oh, yeah. woof. Oh. That hair. Oh, oh, oh no. It's like... He has no, he has no hall air, hair, hall hair. No hall hair. No hall hair. It's like he tried to have like the 80s permed mullet, but he has naturally stick straight hair. Oh, so no. it's just like a spiky mess. It's oh, awful. Honey, no. And he's just, he's like, he's a soft Englishman. Mm-hmm. So he just was not a handsome man. Oh, he tried. Trying counts. He tried real hard. So good for him. And he did a good job. It wasn't bad. I very much so remember that song. So Yeah, I remember him doing it. Yeah. <laughs> Voices was still hanging out on the charts when they released Private Eyes in September 1981. It was a good move because people didn't have a chance to forget about them. No. They continued putting out hit singles, including two consecutive number ones, Private Eyes and I Can't Go For That, parentheses, No Can Do. No Can Do. Which were separated for 10 weeks by only one song, which was Physical by Olivia Newton-John. I mean, but let's get physical. 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 Both of these Hollow hits were co-written by Sarah and or Jana. My God. So their biggest hits were all co-written yes. by Sarah and Jana. Oh, yes. Good for you, ladies. Pretty much every single one. Yep. Ladies. And they didn't really get you know, big hits or a lot of attention until Sarah and Jana came in and started co-writing. Now, through all this, Daryl and Sarah are still together. Yes. Okay. Yes, they are. After releasing two more successful singles, Did It In A Minute, which was written by Sarah and Jana. Did it, you did it, you did it, you did it in a minute. Yeah, that was written by Sarah and Jana. And and Your Imagination. It was safe to say that Hall & Oates were full-blown pop stars. The success of Private Eyes led to sold-out tours and unprecedented fame, but they knew the importance of staying current, so they went back into the studio to record their follow-up to Private Eyes called H2O. I just feel so sweaty when I look at <laughs> that record. they're so sweaty. They're so... And then, like, the back of the vinyl is just sweat skin, <laughs> and it's so... And I'm like... Sweat skin. I just pick up my vinyl, and I'm like, I need to take a shower. Ugh. I feel I'm like I so worked out sweaty. real hard, but I just like sat on my couch. So sweaty. So wet. So wet. H2O. <laughs> Do you think they actually sweated for that or they just got covered in water? I think they probably got sprayed down with a spray bottle. You're probably right. Yeah. You don't make Daryl Hall and John Oates sweat. Did you want to ruin the gorgeous hair- heads of hair they got? Yeah, you can't. They can't be sweating for real. And have that hair. Yeah. That doesn't happen. Does not. Have you ever sweated for real? Like, your hair yes. is done. My hair is done. Do can't do anything. Any. Done. Can't, can't do anything. The duntations. <laughs> That's for, like, toward their last farewell tour. They're the duntations. Oh. <laughs> 
H2O would become the duo's most successful album to date, spending 15 weeks at the number three spot on the Billboard charts. It also spawned their biggest hit ever, mm. Man Eater. Which, Whoa, here it comes. Oh, here it comes, indeed. Which was number one for four weeks in December 1982. The song originated with John jamming with Edgar Winter, question mark? Yeah, what? <laughs> so many question marks. And Daryl started tooling around with it after hearing John playing it. He put a Motown groove to it and out popped a Hall and Oates song. And it actually wasn't about a woman at all. It was about New York City in the 80s and how dangerous and cutthroat it was to live there. I mean, truth. 80s New York City was scary. Like, guys, it's kind of crazy to think, like, within 30 years, New York City went from, like, the shithole, don't fucking go there because you will get shanked. Yeah. To, like, artisanal like bathtubs in $3,000 yeah. a month apartments. And as much of a controversial man as he was, it was Ed Koch. Ed Koch was the mayor during uh, the New York City revitalization time. Oh, that's right. He was the guy that would go around going, how am I doing? Instead of asking how you were doing, he would say, how am I doing? How am I doing? How am I doing? <laughs> asshole. <laughs> but also, No, yeah. he was a fucking no. asshole. And he was corrupt as all balls, but like, man... He did a lot. Their next two singles, One on One and Family Man, both reached the top ten. And Family Man is actually a cover originally done by Mike Oldfield, and the music video really encapsulates Hollenode's videos at the time. <laughs> I actually like I've seen bits and pieces oh. of Family Man, but I've never seen the whole thing. Oh boy. <laughs> it makes no sense. Is it's that the one it's like <sighs> Like I feel like the, I feel like I remember seeing like Daryl and John like and they're kind of like in these like dodgy looking scenes and like not dodgy but just like 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 I feel like there's smoke and like black and white. No. Oh, I'm thinking of a different video then. That might be later, or it might Wait. be Man Eater. I know it wasn't Man Eater. Okay, it's probably a later video then. But Maybe it was Man Eater. I don't know. Um, but Family Man. They were playing with their band in a living room. Oh, yeah. No, I didn't see And they have, man, like, then. weird computer-generated man and woman, uh, like, icons that are, like, walking across the screen. It's, it's fucking weird. Is it like The and there's Sims, like, but terrible -er? Yeah. It's, like, a precursor <laughs> to The Sims, but, like, whoever's controlling it is just fucking weird. And, like, there's one scene where... When they do the guitar solo, the guy who's playing guitar, I believe his name is G.E. Smith, he is standing in a dark room surrounded by children who are just staring at him what? while he's doing a guitar solo. And then it cuts back to the living room and all of a sudden there's all these children in the living room and they're terrorizing them and just being like crazy, obnoxious little children. But then it cuts to like a 1950s family who's watching this video and they're all, like, bopping their heads to it, and it's cool. And then all of a sudden, they're transported to a different era, but it's the same kids. It's just so fucking weird, and it makes no sense. And they do the same, like, dead-eye bullshit that they do in all their videos. Because <laughs> they have no idea how to lip-sync and emote at the same time. It's it's awful. The one thing Hollow Notes never learned to do, lip-sync and emote. Yeah, they did not know how to do that at all. That's fair. Now that Holland Notes were one of the biggest acts in the U.S., their levels of exposure increased dramatically. 
Screaming crowds packed their shows and women flung themselves at them. Oh, I bet. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. They want to rub their hair? fingers through them hairs. I still want to rub my fingers through them hairs. I would do it. Yeah. One stop. I mean, Can't stop me. And I mean, yeah. no, with consent. You're right. Yeah. By now, John was married to model Nancy Hunter, Ooh. having literally plucked her out of a crowd at a concert in Minneapolis. And Daryl- He's like, you, you're hot. Get on the stick. Yeah, basically. Oh, and then he married her. All right. Daryl was still in a relationship with Sarah Allen, and they set up a home together in Millbrook, New York. Aww. But none of this curbed wandering eyes. Wandering eyes. They're watching other ladies <laughs> at their concerts. Yeah. Wait a minute. Millbrook is near you, right? Yes. Millbrook is two towns over from Millerton. Yes. Um, which is where I grew up and which is where Daryl Hall lived for a very long time. Yeah. But when he first moved to upstate, quote unquote upstate, don't fucking come for me because that's what we called upstate. Um, he first lived in Millbrook Look, for a long time on a street called Butts Hollow. Wait, like B-U-T-T-S? Yep. Butts Hollow? Butts Hollow. Oh my God. You know he lived on Butts Hollow because it was called Butts Hollow. It, yeah. Hold up. You could 100% get me to move to a house on Butts Hollow. I mean, it was a really nice house on Butts Hollow, but like... But can you imagine telling people, yeah, I live at 53 Butts Hollow Lane. Yeah. So good. I mean, I want to so, live on I Butts mean, Hollow. Yeah, some people that I went to school with lived on Butts Hollow, too. So, yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. I want to live there. <laughs> it still exists. You can go I'm there. I'm moving. Bye. <laughs> John has confessed in recent years that he behaved like he was single during this period. It didn't matter that he was married. Groupies were constant. Eventually, he was single after he and Nancy divorced in the early 80s. Oh, I bet they fucking did, though. They Why sure would did. you fucking get married yeah. when you are hitting your fucking incline of a peak, yeah. my dude? When you are accelerating straight into women's vaginas. Yeah. Like, your trajectory is straight it's into just a vagina. straight vagina. It's just straight Snatch Town. <laughs> That's your trajectory, my dude. That's peak fame is Snatch Town. Yeah. We haven't hit there yet, but we're really working on Snatch Town, guys. We're getting to Snatch Town. So far, Town. I mean, like, we've gotten to Adam and Eve, and that's gotten me pretty excited. Yeah. I mean, we've kind of stopped off at Pottsville on the way, but, like, you yeah. know, yeah, we're getting yeah. there. We're trying. We're getting there. And Daryl was no angel either. Oh, I bet. That and hair. You can't resist that you hair. You cannot resist that hair. Yeah. In fact, he would find himself in court in 1988, squaring off against a former aspiring model named Andrea Zablowski for child support. <gasps> Andrea contended that she and Daryl had a one-night stand after a show in St. Paul, Minnesota in April 1983. Which they probably did. During the height of their Rock and Soul Part 1 fame, which is an album of greatest hits that they released right after their last album, which was H2O. H2O. <laughs> Jesus, brain fart. She was 18. He was 36. Oh, my God. Nine dude. months later, on January 8th, 1984, Darren Hall was born. Oh. Although okay. Andrea informed Daryl of the child and attempted many times to get Daryl to see him, Daryl wanted absolutely nothing to do with the kid. Hold up, though. You gonna hook up with girls and not wrap it up? Yeah. And I read an article that specifically addressed that. And they both, or well, she said, in the heat of passion, neither one of them uh, talked about birth control. 
Well, that's stupid. That's very stupid Look, on both of their parts. I get it. It was the heat of the moment. Yeah. Telling me what your heart meant. However, <laughs> like, either you need to plan B the next morning. Which or, they didn't like, have back then. Didn't they, though? I'm pretty sure they did not have plan B. We're going to have to look into that. Least of all in Minnesota. Oh, never mind. Right, <laughs> I'm sorry. You said the M word. Minnesota. <laughs> uh, but then, like, I, or pull out or so. I don't like What the fuck? Something. No. Just something. fucking something? Like, just suck him off then. I was just going to say, just, you know, suck just his give dick. Him That's a all blowy. you got to do. Like, and have him, like, finish you. Like, hold up. You know what? To make sure it happens. Like, he should do you first, then you do him. Because mm-hmm. then, like, we know that this happens. Because, like, men could be like, I'm really tired now that I got off. Or men just get off and roll over. Yeah. Like, well, That's I'm it. done. And you're like, oh, no, bitch, you no, ain't you done. No, you ain't done. Oh, you ain't done. I'm not done. You ain't done. Pretty much. <laughs> AdamandEve.com. <laughs> Guys, candy pod. Get yourself some sweet Put it slack. in your pod. No, do not put candy <laughs> in your pod. But put their toys in your pod. Yeah. They make pod toys. That's what they're there for. Yeah. But anyway. So, okay. So he's getting sued for child support. <laughs> yes. Did they go on Maury? <laughs> I don't think Maury existed back then. He didn't. Unfortunately, that would have been fun. Right. <laughs> So, in 1988, Andrea took him to court for child support. Daryl did not deny that Darren was his, but did argue that he shouldn't have to pay the amount of child support Andrea wanted. She was asking for $10,000 a month, which is kind of a bit much. Yeah. I get he's Daryl Hall, but also, like... That's a lot. Yeah. If you're just coming in and saying, I want help with this child, give me, like, what, a reasonable amount of, yeah. like, a, a, a man. reasonable amount is fine. 10000 is kind of unreasonable. Yeah, soup's unreasonable. You're though. asking for $120,000 a year for a child. Yeah. In 1988? No. No. No, honey. The court deemed $1,000 a month to be enough. All right, that's fair. Although Darren tried many times as an adult to have a relationship with his father, ultimately it never stuck. The Aww. two did not have a or the no. The two do not have a relationship to this day. That's really kind of sad. It is sad, and that makes me kind of angry at Daryl Hall because he never tried. Darren tried a lot. I bet. From everything I read, Darren tried a lot. Uh Daryl never tried. Oh. And that sucks. Like, the least you can do is sit the kid down and be like, look, I understand that I am your father, but there's no way that I could be your dad. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. At least, like, try to be a human about this. Yeah, try to at least reason with them. Yeah. Because, yeah, that's just, that's shitty. That's a shitty thing That is really shitty. Oh, I feel really bad now. I do get the impression that Daryl and Andrea think that Daryl owes them something, which I can understand. But also, you're an adult. He doesn't really owe you anything. He owes you a little bit of, like, closure, maybe. Yeah. But also, there's a part of me that feels like, dude, you couldn't fucking wrap it up. You have to deal with the... Exactly. You have to deal with it. If a woman has to fucking deal with the consequences for the rest of her fucking life, because here's the thing. woman gives birth. And, like, this kid is a part of her. Mm-hmm. 
And, like, men never get to fucking understand that that's, like, that is the woman's life right there. Yeah. I also kind of... I feel like men feel like they get to shirk that shit more. Yeah. And they do. And it's bullshit. From... I read a bunch of articles about this, and what I also gathered was that this was kind of something that Andrea did. Like, she... After she gave birth to Darren, she also had two more children from a former boyfriend, Mm -hmm. and she lived off of the child support. Oh, I fucking bet she did, though. From both of them. So I get why she asked for $10,000, because she she wanted to be a homemaker. This was going to be a cash cow for her. This was going to be how she lived. Um, But also, I think $1,000 a month was a little bit too low. She could have in got- the 80s. Yeah, she could have gotten a little no, bit more. No, I think Darryl. I think a thousand a month is reasonable. I think you also have to look at it from the standpoint of it's the 80s, and the only person who I feel like is a real victim in this is a kid. Yup, one hundred percent. Thank you, but I think like a thousand can take care of a kid for a month. Yeah, as long as she worked at least part time. Yeah, that's fine. Eh. And getting child support from and the other here's the- from the other guy. Yo, I know some single moms out there. And they are busting their asses to make sure their kids have good lives. And they might still even get child support. Mm -hmm. And, like, they're lucky to get, like, 500 a month for child support. So, like, if the the dad even bothers to pay it. Exactly. So it's like, Daryl Hall in the 80s given a thousand a month. I think that's great. I think that's wonderful. Yeah. And he actually did pay it the entire time he had to pay it. Yeah. So that's great. 10,000 a month, girl? Like, yeah. Cool your jets. That's too much. You're clearly going for yeah. something here. I think, you know, they could have given her maybe another thousand a month or whatever, but they didn't have to. A thousand even, even is like fifteen hundred a month. Well also Daryl needed to nut up and be a oh, fucking yeah. person, a real person, and at least be like, Look, I'm gonna level with you. I'm not a dad. I don't want children. This is not something that I would ever find myself in. Wait, so does he not have other kids? He does not have other children. Oh, I never knew that. Yeah. Um, he was married recently and mm-hmm. his she they divorced a few years ago, but she had two kids and they all lived together. Okay. But that was the closest he came to having other children. And like here's the thing, I get that. Yeah. I totally get that. And you know what? That's why I use birth control. In various forms. Whatever fucking form you need. Like, I have an IUD. Mm-hmm. So I don't gotta wear condoms. Or yeah. the man doesn't even have to wear condoms. I mean, because I have a Nobody gotta partner. wear condoms. Condoms are not a factor in yeah. this situation. Yeah. You got somebody with a snip snip. Yeah. So it's like, whatever fucking form. Like, Daryl, if you don't want fucking kids, get the fucking snip snip, bitch. Yeah. Spend it, a weekend with some sore balls and get the snip It's literally an outpatient procedure. You're awake during the whole thing, but you don't feel anything. Right. So I get it. I fully fucking understand why women don't want to be on birth control. But you know what? It's also up to the guy to be like, hey, what are we doing about birth control? Whether it's now or whether it was 1988, it doesn't fucking matter. Yeah. It is also your fucking responsibility. Everybody's responsibility. Like, get on it. <laughs> Cover it up. Wrap it up. Grab a Jimmy and go to town. Yeah. I'm sorry it doesn't feel as good oh, for you. it doesn't you. feel as good. Oh, then get the snip, snip You know what doesn't feel good? Pushing a baby out of your vagina. Right? 
and caring for it for the rest of your goddamn life. Yeah, cool that you get to not have to give a shit. I'm not sad. I'm not either. <laughs> Let's continue this. Oh my story god, then. we went on a rant. We, <laughs> we are did. sorry. Okay. Between 1983 and 1988, Hollow Notes released a greatest hits album, and that was the Rock and Soul Part One. Yes. And their twelfth studio album, Big Bam Boom. <laughs> I okay. specifically said it that way so I didn't fuck it up. <laughs> it was really good, though. Yeah. This album continued the slow growth of electronic-oriented rock that they were creating, relying heavily on synthesizers. Mm-hmm. They continued getting number ones, though, with Out of Touch getting the top spot and their second single, Method of Modern Love, also co-written by the Allens. Of course. Because uh, it was a real good song. Yeah, hit the to- and that hit the top five. But all good things must come to an end. They were still riding high on their success, but Daryl and John took some time to do things outside of the studio and to work on solo projects. I mean, that's fair, though. How long at this point? Like, how many fucking albums did they put out? Oh, this was 12? Yeah. Yeah, their 12th studio album. They earned a break. Yeah. They participated in the We Are the World project Mm -hmm. and performed at Live Aid. And Daryl released another solo album while John wrote the song Electric Blue for the band Ice House, which is a song I do not recall. No, I don't but either. I watched the video. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. Ooh-wee. The hair. Ooh. That's all I have to say is the hair. All right. Their contract with RCA was running out as they fulfilled all of their obligations already, but Tommy Matola knew that. That was a bad thing. He scrambled to get them signed to Arista Records in 1987, assuring they'd still be able to make music for a major label. Hmm. Again, probably saving their asses. Oh, like he always does? Thanks, Tommy. They released two albums under Arista, 1988's Ooh Yeah! It has an exclamation (laughs) point. Did they stop? Did they just start giving up after a while? I feel like. And 1990s Change of Seasons. Okay, then they start trying again. <laughs> Their single So Close off of Change of Seasons, which was co-written and produced by a John Bon Jovi, uh, would be their last top 40 hit. Okay. Boy, oh boy. Boy, oh boy. It sounds like a Bon Jovi song. I bet it does. I understand what they were trying to do with these records they were trying to be a little edgier while still appealing to the older crowd. Yo, the early 90s was a weird time. This was late 80s. The late 80s were a weird time. Look, In 1990, yeah. Like, from like 88 to 92, I feel like it was, it was a so weird, weird ass four years. Nobody knew what the fuck they were doing. George George H. Bush was in office and no one knew what the fuck was going on. Yeah, until grunge happened, everyone was like, what do we do? Honestly, I don't know what to do. Yeah, that was a weird bridge of music yeah. and life and existence. But yeah, they were trying to be edgier, but appealing. But instead, they came off as something kind of like Bon Jovi meets Sophie B. Hawkins. It was very weird. But also sounds like really fitting for the times. It is. Right? Yeah. It doesn't hold up. But I bet when it came out, people no. were like, no, I could get into this. But go watch some videos from around that time right. and Daryl definitely looks like Bon Jovi meets Sophie B. Hawkins. Okay. I believe it. It's crazy. I believe it. 100%. He was trying to go for like the wavy hair look mm-hmm. but he was also wearing moto jackets oh. so very Sophie B. Hawkins. Ooh. Very damn I wish I was your lover. 
I do wish I was your I lover, do, though. I kind of do, though. Like, I would have rubbed my hands all over that <laughs> I thought hair. you were going to say I was going to... I would rub my <laughs> genitals all over that hair. No, but that's not how... That's not how any of that works. <laughs> I would have definitely just put my hands in his hair. But I could totally see you just rubbing your butt on his head. <laughs> like, oh, yeah. Do you like this, Mr. Hall? <laughs> <laughs> I like that you call him Mr. Hall. It's kinky. I guess. Is that not how we do this? Montel Jordan, how do we do this? This is how we do it. Then I'm just rubbing my butt on Terrell's head. Rub up on his head. (laughs) Oh my god. Although the albums went platinum and gold respectively, Mm -hmm. they were still disappointments and the duo wouldn't release another album together until 1997. Oh, shit. In the meantime, both Daryl and John saw their lives going downhill. Oh. They got the surprise of their lives when they were called into their management's office and told that they were flat broke. What? Despite having sold 40 million albums, they had no money left. Did they get fucked over in a contract? Hmm. Mm. Despite what it sounds like, they weren't cheated out of money. Oh. They didn't sign some bogus contract that allowed everyone else to profit off their success at their loss. This might be a rock candy first. This is. Oh, it is. Tommy Matola wasn't scamming them either. It was as simple as this. They spent too much money and no one showed them how to manage it. <sighs> Those dumb fucks. Yeah, they just spent too much fucking money. And, like, Tommy Matola wasn't there being like, mm, you probably shouldn't do that. And their accountants that worked for Tommy Matola weren't like, mm, you probably shouldn't spend all that money. No, nobody said anything to them. They just let them spend however much they wow. wanted. <laughs> yeah. yeah. The stress of hearing he was broke gave John a panic attack so strong Aww. he thought he was dying in the back of a taxi cab. Oh, no. He sold off most of his possessions, including houses, airplanes, an antique car collection, and so on and so oh, forth. Oh, but honey, also, like, do you see now how you're broke? Yeah, but also you <laughs> really didn't need all of that shit. You like, didn't need four fucking houses. Yeah, no. You really don't. Oh, yeah, you said all that, and I'm like, honey, that's why you broke. Yeah. You don't, you don't thrift. Yeah. The distress over the financial loss forced him to rethink everything in his life, including his mustache. (gasps) Around the turn of the decade, the mustache was gone. There is actually an amazing YouTube video that someone did of a cartoon of... Oh, it was a whole series. Oh, there was more than one? Oh, yeah. I always saw the one. It was like Holland, like... I forgot what it was called. No, no, it was Oats and Stash. Oats and Stash, that's what it was called. And it was his mustache. Yes. And him. In, <laughs> like fighting crime. Yeah, fighting crime, basically. It's amazing. Which YouTube it. He loved it. He loved it. He was oh, a very good sport about it. Yes. He seems like someone who could take something like that in stride. Daryl Hall, not so much, maybe, but yeah, I John mean, totally was don't get a me good wrong. sport about it. I do love me Daryl Hall, but he also seems like he takes himself a little like, a he's, little bit he's a businessman. Yeah. He's a family man. <laughs> Oates is like, I'm a funny man. Yeah. <laughs> Hall is the straight guy. He, he's very straight. Yeah. Yeah. Eventually, they recoup some of their losses by claiming old royalties that hadn't been paid in years. Okay. Come to find out, there was a larger investigation going on into the music industry that uncovered millions that record companies were not paying their artists. Oh, shit. Hilariously, this investigation was headed up by Elliot Spitzer's office. 
Remember Elliot Spitzer, one time a uh, New York governor that yeah. got kicked out of office because he was caught with escorts? Yo, I remember that. I remember. Oh, yeah. I remember. That I was, think it was like, a fun time. Was that like 10 years ago? It was about 10 years ago, yeah. Time's a weird social construct. Yeah. Wow. Do you get, Do you remember when like, Elliot Spitzer was the most controversial politician we had at the time? Yeah. And I actually met him like a couple days before that scandal broke because I was working for... WEMC. Yes, the, you were. The local public radio station. Yay. And he came in as a guest on one of our shows like three days before that whole scandal broke. And I was like, oh, I just met this guy. Oh, he was so gross. <laughs> I miss Elliot Spitzer. I kind of miss Elliot Spitzer. Those halcyon days when Elliot, when the biggest scandal was Elliot Spitzer sleeping with prostitutes. Yeah. Who were totally willing to fucking sleep with him. He, he actually paid them. He paid them. What they he were He paid asking. them a lot. There was a lot of consent in there. Yeah. He paid them a lot to sleep with them. I so. miss those days. Kind of miss them. Wow, I just got really sad. <laughs> can back. you tell me more about Hall & Oates? Baby, come back. <laughs> you can blame it all on me. <laughs> oh, but the bad news didn't stop coming. Oh, fuck. Janet Allen was diagnosed with leukemia and was so sick that she moved in with Daryl and Sarah so they could take care of her. Oh, no. On August 25th, 1993, she passed away in their Millbrook home. It was a devastating time. And shortly after, I wrote shortly after, but it was actually 10 years after. (laughs) I mean, like right now, it feels shortly. It feels shortly after. Daryl and Sarah amicably ended their 30-year relationship. Mm. That's amicable. Yeah, So it's fine. It's fine. You know what? Not everything can last forever. Exactly. Except for Hall & Oates, because they're still going. Okay, cool. I'm fine with that. (laughs) In part to get their minds off of all the bullshit, and in part to generate some income, Daryl and John went back into the studio in 1997 and recorded Marigold Sky. They released some things here and there throughout the 90s and early 2000s, and had a couple of adult contemporary hits, and continued working on their solo projects. It was around this time, the late 2000s and 2010s, when nostalgia became a thing for millennials. Hi, we came out. We're adults. We We can spend money. We became adults. (laughs) We realized, bring us back. Hi, it's us. Just take us fucking back. It was us, guys. Yeah. Baby, come back. Yeah. The music we loved when we were kids, we wanted it back. Yeah. We knew- Guys, do you remember the Black Eyed Peas? We don't want them back. We wanted, like, Hall & Oates back. Yeah. We knew- And Rush. I got really into oh, Rush yeah. back then. Like, basically just 70s prog rock. I got really fucking into it. And that's where Daryl Hall comes in. Yeah. Full fucking circle. He knew. He fucking knew. We knew around 2014, 2015 that shit was hitting the fan. Yeah. And the music we loved as children was going to be the security blanket to get us through it. Yeah. Somehow, we all latched on to Hall and & Oates and made them popular again. Yup. They made appearances on The Daily Show, Flight of the Concords, Dancing with the Stars, and had cameos in several movies. Yeah. Also, Yacht Rock, be- Yacht Rock became a thing. So, are Hall & Oates Yacht Rock? Yeah. Okay. 100%. They Yacht Rock's are- still a thing. We were going to go to Yacht Rock Review last week. And it got canceled because of the Roni. So, thanks. God, I'm depressed. Well, actually, no, it's not canceled. It's rescheduled. I'm still depressed. I'm still depressed about it. Because now I have to wait even longer. Anyway, 
Hall & Oates' catalog from 1977 to 1987 was the perfect brand of adult-oriented rock that yacht rock enthusiasts love. Yep. All of a sudden, Hall & Oates saw a surge of love come flowing back to them. Not in a condescending way, Not but at all. genuine and unabashed love for their music. Yeah. It's just fucking great. Their music is timeless. It holds it really the fuck is. up. Their music is on my list of the best things in life. Yeah. I can go for that. Mm. Helping to throw the duo back into the spotlight was Daryl's show called Live from Daryl's House. Yay! It's He started it as a web series in 2007 and gave it a simple concept. Invite musicians and songwriters of all kinds to his house in Millerton, oh. where I'm from, where they jam on <laughs> Hall & Oates songs and the musician songs and air it on the internet. The series became so popular that it was picked up by VH1 and MTV. Since selling his property in Millerton, Daryl has moved the show to his venue in Pauling, New York, appropriately titled Daryl's House. Here he films the show, but it's also a fully functioning concert hall, booking various acts every week, much to the chagrin of local residents. Go fuck yourselves. Yeah, I mean, Pauling's a small town. The venue's smack in the middle of it. I get it. Like... You don't want to be up until midnight on a Tuesday because Daryl's house is bumping. Um, I do. <laughs> but the um, grody little fucking cityots that live there don't want to. Cityots? Cityots. I like that. Okay. A cityot is somebody from New York City, probably Manhattan, who has a shit ton of money who gets a quote-unquote cottage in the quote-unquote country, which is quote-unquote upstates. <laughs> and by upstate, I mean like Westchester, Putnam, Ulster, Dutchess, Columbia, Green counties. Right, right. Um, which to everybody else in the state is not upstate. No, but like, not at all. To me, it was upstate because it was upstate from New York City. No, I get it. I lived in the city for a bit, and yeah, I had a lot of fights. Yeah, when every, a lot of fights. With yeah, people. I'm sure everybody from the city was like, "I'm going upstate," but they're going to like Westchester. Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, and I'd be like, "I'm sorry, that's not upstate." Yeah, so they would get Bitch, their go another two hours and tell me, but you're upstate. Yeah, so they would get their quote unquote cottage, which was like a two million dollar three or four bedroom house that was like three times the size of the house I grew up in, mm -hmm. and eventually, like, they just took over. Yeah. So many of them moved up there that they just took over. I don't know anybody really in my hometown anymore. It's all city transplants who... A.K.A. Cityists. Yeah. But also that's where Daryl Hall lives now. No, no, Well, no. He lived in Millerton for a long time and he now lives in Sheffield, Massachusetts. Which oh, is that's right. about 20 minutes down the road he from Millerton. Still it counts. It still it counts. counts. It still counts. He, I will I'm say sure though, he comes to Millerton to do his grocery shopping. Oh, so. probably. And I will say, though, he did have an episode with L. King in Daryl's house. He did. And it was such a good episode. He did have an episode with Fitz and the Tantrums, too, which was oh, amazing. So Before they sucked. Before they started sucking. Yeah. Oh, man. These days, John is living the quiet life, splitting time between Nashville and Colorado. Wow. He married his second wife, Amy, in 1995, and together they have a son. Oh. Daryl waited until 2009 to get married again, but they divorced in 2015. You know what? Daryl can't be tied down. He can't. He can't. You just a, can't be married, bro. a stallion of a man. Look at that mane. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Hall and 
boats still tour regularly, and with their resurgence in popularity over the last few years, they're going to be going to going strong for a long, long time to come. There really is absolutely nothing that's going to get the most successful duo in music history down. Except for maybe the coronavirus? Don't say that. Look, they I can't. just... No, you're right. It's fine. They're rich. They'll be fine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Even if they do get the Roni, like, they have probably the best kind of medical care that they possibly could yeah it'll be fine everything's fine everything's fine yeah it'll be fine man i love hall notes yeah even though now i'm kind of like there's some iffy parts i'm a little iffy on hall i'm a little iffy on hall but like this is great but like my deep-seated love of him i'm still like i can overlook it a little right he also shouted out your dad once he did he shouted out my dad on fucking facebook Yo, this is like, this is your time right here. This is yeah. your time to be I mean, really proud about where you're from and give, your life. To give anybody background on this story that I haven't told it to already, because I've told like everyone. So <laughs> it's Ashley's point of pride. <laughs> After Daryl opened Daryl's house in Pauling, my dad became the code uh, enforcer for the town of Pauling. And Daryl's house had a fire once. Their neon sign burst into flames. <laughs> like burned down like the front of the venue or something Jesus, that's scary so they had to rebuild it and when you rebuild something the code enforcer has to go out make sure it's up to code so my dad did that and then when they reopened daryl put out a facebook post thanking everybody including my dad by name ashley's dad so i'm like one degree from daryl hall now your dad should have brought you with him like (laughs) oh my daughter's learning the trade my dad does not understand my love <laughs> of Daryl Hall. I've he never... never saw you in the uh, in the video clips from Daryl's house of you just peering into the windows like, I want to be near Daryl. You really have to look for me. I'm like Richard Scary. Oh my God. <laughs> so you have to really look for me. She's I'm like, like the... the worm from the Richard <laughs> yes. Scary books. How many people actually do you think know what the Richard Scary books they are? They fucking better because that was one of my fucking favorites when I was a kid. Oh God, I think Richard I still Scary. have the Richard Scary book from when I was a kid. Yo, I had some VHS. Really? Oh yeah. Wow. Yeah. I didn't know that it was like There were a couple animated. VHSs, man. It was Holy great. shit. I kind of want to see it. But also that fucking worm. I the love that worm. worm. But the little hat. He's so cute. Anyway, thank you guys for listening. <laughs> now that we've had a full like hour and a half or so of full fucking nostalgia. Oh my god. I mean, but like what's gonna bring you back like hollow notes? It's so good. And like, you know what? I kind of apologize for breaking into song a lot this episode, but also like <laughs> but you can't but not. That's, but that's the thing at Hall and Oates is that they are such a fucking earworm. And that's the thing. They might be two very different people, but when they get together, oh my they God. both know how to make a hook and a harmony that will get stuck in your head forever. Well, with the help of the ladies. With help from very important ladies. Seriously. So. Yeah. Celebrate them, but also like. Celebrate the ladies that got them going. Sarah, Sarah Brate. <laughs> Celebrate Sarah Allen yes. and Jana Allen because they had a huge hand in making Hall and Oates who they are. Yeah, and Tommy. And Tommy without Matola. Those, without those three kids. I don't really feel like he's a very good person oh, for some not. reason. However, I mean, thank you for your contributions to Hall and Oates. Right. Can still appreciate that. Yeah. I don't know why I feel like he's not a good person, but we'll find out sometime in the future, I'm sure. I mean, we could Wikipedia when we're done. Yeah. Well, we appreciate you guys. <laughs> Thank you for listening. 
And, you know, if you guys are really picking up what we're putting down, maybe go to iTunes and give us a sweet five-star review and tell us how awesome we are. It's Seriously, been a while. it's been a while since we got a good review. We need some love. <laughs> it's it's a tough, it's hard out here in the FP. Yeah. And we need some love. <laughs> Also, also go watch the FP. Go watch the FP. <laughs> you're not Tubi. doing anything else. Yeah, you're not doing shit. Go watch the FP. It's fucking terrible, but it's, it's also hilarious. Great. It is hilarious. <laughs> and if you're, you know, feeling curious about anything else we got, we got tons of other episodes, over 100. Mm-hmm. And they're all at our website, www.rockcandypodcast.com. You can comment on those episodes. You can send us an email or just go ahead and follow our many social meds because we got instagram facebook and tweetars tweetars <laughs> ashley gave me a 10 percenter and i'm kind of tipsy i blame you we have a nine percenter on deck you need to split this with me before i leave tonight yeah no that's i mean woof yeah so go ahead also support our network we're part of the pantheon podcast network it's a fantastic place where you could get pretty much any story on any musician you ever want because god what do we have like almost 30 podcasts on the network now it's it's one-stop shopping it really is we've got everything you want and Mm -hmm. right now what else are you doing we're talking to you they're gonna talk to you you can talk to us you know talk to people on social meds at some point you have to put down the netflix you have to stop binging yeah put it down a hot second put it down and just turn off the TV and turn on your radio or, no, not your radio, your phone your or your phone? Compu- computer. Computer. Put, turn on your computer and <laughs> listen, listen to, to podcast and clean your house. Yeah. Look at your house right now. It's really good um, background noise and stuff. Too. Oh my God, that is exactly what I cleaned my apartment yeah. to. Are you kidding me? It's very good. Yeah. And then in the meantime, you can always give us money because times is hard out here. It's still so, tough in the FP. It is still tough in the FP. And what's a town without ducks? <laughs> yeah, but I mean, if you want to give us some ducks, I guess, you can go to patreon.com slash rockcandypodcast. Yeah, no, we can totally use the duck analogy, right? Because duck tails, Scrooge McDuck was rich. Woo-woo. <laughs> Jesus, just go to Patreon and give us some fucking money. Please and thank you. We need a new mic. Yeah, we've jerry-rigged the shit out of this one. Yeah, it's not great. We're doing It's we not can. great, guys. We're not doing great. No, we're, you know what? No, we're fine. Actually, we're totally we fine. We are totally fine. If you want to give to us, please do. And hey, thank you so much to everybody who does give to us because I got more printer ink. Yeah. See, and more books your and Patreon, more songs. Your Patreon money is going to good use. We got some printer ink so we can print out our notes. Yeah. That's good. Maybe it's good. we should like get something like smarter, like a tablet or something. No. Okay. <laughs> the nostalgia. I want the nostalgia of paper in my hand. I want to see it in my face and feel it in my hand. Alright, she's got a point. I'm gonna touch it. They want to hear All us over. flip the pages around my fucking closet while we toss do our... them on the ground in fury because Daryl Hall cheated on his girlfriend. We did go on a bit of a rant about that. I did. Birth control. Guys, birth control. Anyway, next week we have uh, another episode that's beer based. Yeah, it and is. Actually, like, I've been doing some research. 
learning some things I didn't know. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. That means I'm going to learn a lot that I didn't know. Yeah, you are. Okay, cool. Yeah. I'm here for it. Yeah. And so are you kids. So until then, party on, Ashley. Party on, Maggie. And party on, you crazy kids out there. Because your kiss. Your kiss. Is on my lips. Because your kiss. I can't resist. <laughs> It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. Fantasy Points.